With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Phillips Levin of the 1012 Podcast here. If you've been listening to this show for a while and thought, you know, if that guy can do this, then so can I. Well, you're, you're probably right. And it's worth giving a shot. The one question you're going to ask yourself is, how do I get my podcast out for everyone to listen to on iTunes, on Spotify? Well, you're going to need a hosting site. And if I may make a suggestion, go with Anchor. It's easy and it's free, which is great for podcast hobbyists uh, who aren't exactly expecting this to make a lot of income, especially starting out. Anchor is fantastic. Anchor by Spotify is the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need in one place. It has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your show on listening platforms like we mentioned Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And again, it is totally free. It's fantastic. It is what we use. And if it's what we use, it's what we're going to suggest to others. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, that is the Anchor app or anchor.fm to get started with your podcast. Welcome to the 10-12, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference. I'm your host, Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining us today. Joining me, uh, not on their usual time of a Monday, but today on a Thursday, Andy Mitz, Jamie Steyer, my two semi-kind of co-hosts, I guess I could call them commentary individuals, whatever. Uh, today, we're going to have to do something that, um, let me just put it this way. If you have listened to this show multiple times and in the past, I am not a Tom Herman fan. I have been hard on Tom Herman, both for his on-field execution as well as on-field antics. Uh, but I would be remiss if, and the kind of person that I don't like, if I ignored when Tom Herman uh, did something worth acknowledging. So if you haven't seen the quote uh, that Tom Herman uh, made to the Austin American Statesman in regard to the murder of George Floyd, um, the Black Lives Matter movement, and everything else that's going on in the country right now. I just, I'm going to read it for you because I think, I think everyone should hear it before we talk about it. Quote, uh, there's a double standard, maybe a little bit. We're going to pack 100,000 people into DKR and millions watch on TV that are predominantly white. Not all of them, certainly, but most of them white. We're going to cheer when they score touchdowns, and we're going to hug our buddy when they get sacks or an interception. But are we going to let them date our daughter? Are we going to hire them in a position of power in our company? That's the question I have for America. You can't have it both ways. If you're going to cheer for them and love them for three and a half hours on a Saturday in the fall, you better have the same feelings for them off the field because they're human beings. They deserve the same amount of respect and human rights that all of us do in this country when we are agreed on, when we agreed on the social contract to be a member of the United States. Um, I, 
considering things that have been said by Dabo Sweeney, uh, what we saw at Florida State, what's going on at the University of Iowa, um, while we think that every head coach of a football team should probably think this way, they don't. So I want to give absolute and total credit to Tom Herman. His point is dead on accurate. Uh, it is it is ridiculous to me that fans, myself being a fan included, cheer for these guys on Saturday and love them and want want their signatures and want them to follow us on social media and, and want to shake their hand and have a picture with them to show how cool we are to our friends. But then we want to turn around when they actually ask to be treated like humans, like like equals, and and want to throw curses and say, I'll never follow this team. I don't want to do any like the 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 mental gymnastics people have to do to justify that switching in their brain and that train of thought is uh, I could think of a lot of words disgusting, repulsive, ignorant, uh, hateful, non-Christian, non-good, just evil. And and I could keep going and going and going. Um, I've talked about this. I've written about this. But I, I want you guys' perspective. Uh, Andy, what what were is, you have also been someone on my show who's not the biggest Tom Herman fan. What what were your thoughts on on his quote? Well, first of all, I applaud you. I think that's the longest I've ever heard you go when you have guests on that uh, you have been talking without letting them talk. But um, I think it was well deserved because, like you, I was absolutely shocked that it was coming from Tom Herman. I mean, you know, I I am not a big fan of a lot of his antics, but when it comes to something like this, he is absolutely hundred percent correct. And then to have that followed up. Actually, I think that was, I think, right before his statement, Shaka Smart also, you know, a, a, another guy that I've ragged on quite a bit for his work on the court. Um, you know, he had an absolutely phenomenal statement as well regarding this. And so, you know, I have to give big props to everybody down there at the University of Texas in terms of, like, facing the public and the way that they've reacted to this and the way that they've talked about this. And not just that they, you know, made those statements, but that they were one of the first people to actually talk about it. Um, maybe it was kind of, you know, really good timing and that that's when their radio appearances were, or, you know, they happened to get in front of the right reporter that wanted to talk about it at that point, but they weren't, they didn't shy away from it really early in the process. Like a lot of people did, you know, I'm thinking Roger Goodell, you know, he waited until he essentially was given, was spoon fed his lines, you know, on what he needed to put out there. And so, um, you know, they got out in front of this, they talked about it candidly and really kind of showed that they are leaders in terms of treating the, you know, the young men that they worked with the right way and really showing them the, the respect that they deserve. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a powerful statement. And I think that the thing that is really striking when you see how many people, you know, there's a lot of people making statements, a lot of people, especially in athletics, recognizing that, you know, when you, when you capitalize off of the labor of black people being in athletics, that's pretty much part and parcel with the job you have a duty to say something. You have a duty to make sure that uh, people understand where you lie on these issues. And so I think there's a lot of people who do kind of the bare minimum. Um, and I think there's a lot of people who really put a lot of thought into it. And it's very evident that that's the situation here. I mean, to go beyond just your generic statement to be able to say you know here's the situations that you can think that you're you know this beacon of anti-racism whatever but when you bring out those very specific instances that I think a lot of us are familiar with the thought pattern and I think that 
Um, you know, it's, it's something where you're thinking, yeah, you know, that is true. A lot of people do have some issues when it comes to, you know, relationships in their family or, oh, you know, there is a lot of very obvious inequality in the workplace and stuff like that. And so for him to go that extra mile and say, you know, here we are, we have these people who we absolutely love on the field and then making that extra point where you have to love them as a person, you have to love them as a human being beyond that. And so just to tackling privilege isn't something that's very popular um, for a lot of sports fans. And it's really unfortunate that that's kind of been the case historically, but uh, just, I mean, based on social media, things like that, that's not really an option anymore. And so um, to see people actually come out and make good statements, especially when there's plenty of uh, not good ones out there, it definitely feels good to at least have somewhere you can look at it and have a little bit of satisfaction with what's said. Yeah, uh, you, you can tell the difference between a comment made from the heart and a comment made from a pre-prepared script written by a, a group of, of PR and marketing individuals. And this one feels like it came from the heart and the head. Um, I, so I fully applaud Tom Herman. Again, you know, you, you'd think this should just be how the head coach of a football team feels. Guys, look around the country. That's not how everyone feels. That's not how everyone thinks. They can say that they do, but I mean, it's not just making a statement to make us think. It's acknowledging that there is a problem going on in this country and, and and lots of people make statements but i don't think they all lots of people have things to say myself included and i i can't promise that i understand everything clearly uh, and i'm trying very hard to listen but lots of people have something to say that don't also want to take the time to listen i think tom herman has so full credit to tom herman full credit to shaka smart um, i think those are I, I i reserve the right to still not think tom herman's a very good uh, coach on the field but i can think that he is a he's a better guy off the field than maybe i've given him some credit for yeah, definitely. Sticking with the yeah. yeah, sticking with the University of Texas, uh, they have announced, or according to uh, to Brian Fisher of the Texas Tribune, University of Texas will require all students, faculty, and staff to wear face masks on campus this fall. Um, no word at this point how that will carry over to the football season, but I would be highly shocked that if you're going to make everyone on campus during school wear them, that you would allow uh, fans and those at games not to. Um, just to kind of carry off of our conversation last last week as far as fans and stands and what that might look like, uh, the one question I didn't ask you guys that I'm really curious about is, will you go to a game, a physical game this season? Will you sit in the stands? Um, I know that, of course, Jamie, Iowa State is allowing uh, a certain capacity. I uh, haven't heard anything as far as I know from Kansas. Andy and Oklahoma State's hope is to have a full full stadium, but there hasn't been any clarification as far as wearing masks or, or, or any of those kinds of things. So I'm curious from you guys, full will you go to a game and are there things that you would look at before you did as far as how many they're going to allow, wearing masks and things of that nature? Um, Jamie, what are your thoughts? Well, yeah, it's, I, I couldn't even tell you. And part of it too is that uh, I still have a thought that, if Iowa State's going to be opening up at 50% capacity, at least if they're saying that right now, I wouldn't be shocked if it ends up getting moved to 100% because genuinely I don't really see that much of a difference if you already have 30-some thousand people in there. But besides all that, anyway, let's say that they do open up and it's all of the um, things that they say right now are what they hold true to 
Um, I would definitely not be there for opening weekend. I would want to see how things are adhered to. I would want to hear from people who actually went on how safe they felt, um, things like that before I would probably consider going. Um, and part of it too is that I am fortunate enough that I'm not in an at-risk group, but I also, you know, am not one of the people who think that not being in an at-risk group means that it wouldn't really, 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 really suck and be really dangerous. So I'm definitely more on the cautious side where, to be honest, I am not usually going to every single football game every year. It's usually just a couple of them. So if I miss out for a year, I miss out for a year. I think that there would have to be some bigger precautions than are currently being talked about to make me feel safe about it. And even then, for me, I just don't think it's worth the risk right now. Like, I'd love to go watch it on TV. I'd love to have a quote unquote tailgate in like a friend's backyard or something where you know that there's the 10 people there that you kind of trust. But being around that many people, just thinking about it right now, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of it yet. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to start by that I live far enough away that uh, I don't think I would actually be able to travel back for one anyway. But, uh, you know, if I was able to, I, I think I would, I would definitely be tempted to go one because, you know, I'm not, I'm not really sure. I mean, I have to imagine in terms of pricing, wise, you're probably going to get a fairly good deal if there's a lot of people that aren't or worried about coming out. Um, but, you know, also, I think a big, a big question about that is going to be how is the science on COVID-19 changed since then? Because, you know, just actually just today, as we're recording this, they came out with an article that said, well, apparently asymptomatic individuals don't really transfer the virus as much as they originally Right. And so, you know, if they're, if some of the precautions regard, you know, doing temperature checks on people that walk in, um, you know, doing all this kind of additional stuff that they're talking about doing anyway, it may not be that big of a deal of going or not. Uh, you know, as long as people are responsible enough that if you're sick, don't go out in public. I mean, that should be common sense anyway, but unfortunately, a lot of people still don't really kind of recognize that. But also, I'm in a unique position in that I've already had COVID-19. It wasn't nearly as bad as I was afraid it might have been. Um, but I also don't know if that, you know, means that I'm going to be immune to it, or if it's kind of like the cold where you can get one in the spring and one in the fall, or even more often than that, and, you know, and have to deal with the symptoms from there. So, I mean, I think a lot of whether people are going to go and whether I would be willing to go is going to depend on what do we, what, what more do we know by then, and what kind of precautions are people putting into place. So it's really hard to say right now. I would definitely be open to the idea. And, and if we're talking about basketball, I'd be really tempted to go if, you know, if there was any kind of um, incentive or any kind of way for me to get back to, to, to do it. But um, I also think that that one's going to be a little bit harder because those are in enclosed buildings as opposed to out in public. So football, I think, is going to be a little easier for people to rationalize going to and for them to really kind of control what they need to do because it is open air. You don't have to worry about being enclosed with a bunch of people that's recirculating air through an air conditioner or something to that effect. Um, and so I think that would end up being a lot easier football-wise than it would be basketball-wise. Yeah, and that's where it probably shows where, like, my priorities lie, too, in that truly not going to a football game isn't the be-all end-all for me and there's almost definitely way less risk going to a football game but when basketball comes around like I know I'm gonna be there and that's gonna be one of those things where well you know we're gonna we're gonna do whatever the 
the risk, the mitigation efforts are, but I can't see myself not going to basketball. So it probably has more to do with the fact that I'm just more likely to be okay with missing football in general, regardless of the precautions being taken. But yeah, it'll be, I'll be very interested to see what the guidelines look like and what the science looks like when it comes around to the time to actually start considering that for real. I will say now though, uh, I'm going to call my shot if I can find any way to get back. If anyone, you know, that's listening or, or anyone that I know wants to get me back for the Texas game, um, I'm calling my shot now. I want to be there when Kansas beats Texas this year and shocks everybody. <laughs> oh, all right. All right. I can't wait to sample that for the week after it happens. That'll be very exciting. Just going to save that little <laughs> nugget. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm I, save I, that nugget. I, I already have Iowa State fans mad at me in general. Um, you know, Texas, they like to rag on Kansas anyway, so I'm not expecting any more abuse than that. And I mean, hey, all publicity is good publicity, right? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna play that the week before on social and just like on every show, like just just a reminder for everybody. This is what this Andy is what had to say <laughs> back in June. Okay, um, yeah, I think so. For me, uh, similar situation, to Andy. I don't live in Oklahoma at this point, so it's it's a little bit tougher to get to an Oklahoma State game. Um, we're having our second child in July, so I would also be a little bit like, I know September, October, November, a little bit further out, but I would also want to be a little bit cautious with a with a newborn here in the house um, and bringing anything back. But then I look at like, you know, you mentioned basketball. I agree whether, you know, Oklahoma State gets to have a postseason or not. We're not getting into that right now. I don't want to. Um, I don't want to get into a venting mode. I want to go to a game, but... I want to go to Stillwater for the opening of O'Brate for the baseball stadium. That's brand new. Um, mm. the, the Oklahoma State women's soccer team is playing a game in Conway. It's about an hour away from me. I want to, on a Sunday, like I would, I would like to go to that. That's very close to me. And I, I enjoy watching the women's soccer team and the softball team and the baseball team and those things as well. So I, I, I kind of want to just play it by ear. And I think I'm going to kind of be cautious about how soon I'd go to things like that um, after our second daughter is born, but I definitely would like to at some point or another hit at least one or two events just because, you know, I think we're all just itching to do something. something. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and I, I don't want to sound like I don't take this all very seriously, but at the same time, like I can't, I'm not going to just shut my life down for the next however long until we get a vaccine. So I'm going to want to go to something. I'm going to find something. I think most people will feel that way, but I definitely agree, Jamie, on your point of Let's see how week one goes and then kind of gauge it from there. I think that's how a lot of people will go. And again, we don't even know how the season's going to go. We don't know how long the season's going to be. We don't know how many games we're actually going to get. So it's hard to make a lot of finite decisions in June, but it's still, you know, something that's been, it's been on my mind as far as will I go and try to go to something or not. Um, Let's wrap up on this. Uh, Very excited uh, to have uh, a member from Athlon Sports on the show today. We'll be talking some Big 12 coach rankings. He uh, he put his out uh, a couple weeks ago, him being at Braden Gall. Uh, and so he and I are going to talk about that, but I wanted to get you guys' uh, thoughts. And I don't, I'm not going to read you his list because we're reading that list coming up. But I, I'm just curious if you had to rank the Big 12 football coaches right now, uh, who, who would you have where? I mean, I think the obvious one is Lincoln Riley at the start. At the start. Like, I think, I think that's, I think we can all agree on that one. It's really hard, you know, and I think two through four is a big jumble for me. Um, because, I mean, I think it has to be, 
some group of Patterson, Gundy, and Campbell, but I don't really have a strong preference on the order there. Um, you know, if you're if you're looking at overall like the entire course of their career, I think you probably give it to Gundy and then Patterson and then Campbell, just because Campbell is fairly new compared to them. But if, if you're thinking about trajectory and who you would want for the long term, then I think Campbell becomes two, then probably Gundy and then Patterson. Um, but I, you know, I, I, I again, I, I could I could jumble all three of those up and pick them out of a hat, and I wouldn't be upset with the order at all. And then after that, it's a matter of like, what is it you're looking for in a coach? Because if you're for an up-and-comer you want you know a guy like neil brown or chris Kleiman is probably who you want to point to the most um you know but uh tom herman as you know as as many problems as he's had he hasn't been an absolute train wreck um now granted you know it could completely go off the rails this year with all with that brand new staff and then we find out that really it was the staff that was keeping things together and he got rid of them all um that's definitely a possibility so i mean but those final five could be pretty much anything i mean I think if, if you go by, you know, I can make an argument that Les Miles at number six, because the biggest issue that he had was, you know, was turning his offense over and not allowing his offense to get stale. And now that Brent Deerman is the offensive coordinator at Kansas, that covers up his biggest weakness. He has all the energy. He has, you know, everything that you need to really start to bring recruits. And if they start to have any kind of success, he could, he could snowball that real quick and turn it around. Um, but obviously his age is an issue. You know, if you're looking at into the future, he's probably not going to be there a super long time. Um, and there is kind of that nagging worry in the back of your head that maybe he will see something he doesn't like and try to take over, you know, completely again. But the rest of the guys in the list don't really have enough to their resumes yet to this point for me to say, you know, that they definitely need to be above him. The only guy that I really have no idea on is Dave Aranda because we've never actually seen him be a head coach. Um, and so like, I would, I would almost put him down at the bottom of the list by default, just because we have no clue what he's going to bring as a head coach. He's going to be in his first year with absolutely no spring camp with none of the, you know, extra practices you usually get to kind of install your system. Uh, so either they're going to live off of the talent that's there at Baylor or everything's going to fall flat on their face because he doesn't get them, you know, put, put, put together the way they need to be. But, you know, the guy that I'm, I think I'm fairly comfortable putting at nine or 10 is Matt Wells. Um, like he may end up working out long-term, but I just have not seen enough from him to think that he has the pieces right now without a huge overhaul or huge rebuilding of four or five years to get Texas Tech turned around. Yeah. I mean, for me, part of it too is like, you know, I'm always going to have the disclaimer of being someone who has like a stronger background in other sports. Like I lack some of the nuance and some of the background and things like that, but um, for me, I think that the way that you kind of talked about it in groups is exactly how I was thinking about it. Like I could not sit down and write a list one to 10 of rankings. Like the way that I look at it right now is almost like a pyramid. Like you've got a tier at the very top, obviously, and that's Lincoln Riley. And then you've got a tier below that. And that would be exactly the group you talked about of Gundy, Patterson, Campbell, where just depending on what your metrics are, depending on your perspective, um, it's all going to vary in there, but they're really not going to move outside of that grouping. You know, you're going to have different preferences and oh, okay I want someone who has more experience or oh I'm looking for someone more long term and that's obviously going to affect it um, but they're going to be in that two to four spot pretty consistently no matter what you're looking at and then that's where the trouble is where you just have this huge jumble five through ten 
because like you said, you know, there's people there that just don't have a lot of data to go on. You know, Aranda, I couldn't even begin to say where to put someone like that because you just have no context of what he's going to do as a head coach. Like, obviously you can say, you know, he's been successful in other capacities, but you don't know. There's a lot more that goes into being a head coach than being an assistant or being a coordinator because you also have to go in and you're the one running the show. You're the one having to manage all the personalities, having to manage all the personnel under you besides just the players. And so um, I love seeing how new head coaches run things and how things go, because I think it's a really interesting character study. Um, but I digress. Uh, you just have so many people who have good results, but there's bad results and there's some times where you just don't know where they're going to end up. And I think that's what makes it so hard that there's not a lot of really solid consistency there because you have so many new people and you have so many people that just have been kind of all over the place. Very good. I like both your points. I don't necessarily disagree with them. Um, and I'm going to be lazy say, uh, that is a great opportunity to pitch to Braden Gall. Before we do, Jamie Steyer, uh, how can everybody check out the work you do covering Iowa State? You can find me on Twitter at jsteyz, J-S-T-E-Y-Z. Any work I do will be posted on there. I blog once in a while. When basketball comes around, you'll get a lot more of my radio stuff. When any kind of sports come back around, I'll start writing more again. Uh, Andy, have you figured your Twitter problem out yet? No, not for the personal one. I'm still doing everything over at my Rock Chalk pod for the podcast. Um, and, of course, I you know write for uh, Rock Chalk Talk and Land Grant Gauntlet, both of those covering Kansas. Uh, make sure and follow both of them. Follow us on Twitter at 1012podcast, T-E-N, the number 12, the word podcast. Uh, make sure to like, well, I guess not like, just subscribe, five stars, leave a rating. You can still like Braden Gall. Do. Yeah. That's fine. I mean, we if you like us, we appreciate that. Uh, Braden Gall, Athlon Sports, uh, coming up after the break. Very excited today to be joined by Braden Gall of Athlon Sports and uh, occasionally ESPN Radio, Sirius XM College Radio. Uh, Braden, welcome to the 1012, sir. Good to be here, man. Good to talk to you. Anytime we get to talk ball, it's good. I know. Uh, you know, just I, I, not that I don't want to take away from everything that's going on, but you know, we, I just—it's nice to talk. Just talk a little sports for a minute. Uh, yes, I would concur that everything right now is sort of built, filmed and viewed through a lot of lenses. But uh, getting away to talk actual football. Let's hope it happens, and um, if it does, and we'll actually have games to talk about. And I think we all could use that right now in our lives for sure not not to diminish everything else but uh no no, no, uh, no gonna no, be a, gonna, gonna be a ton of fun if we actually get some games agreed agreed um so having you on today uh because uh last week you you posted your big 12 coach rankings for 2020 and i just wanted to get you on today and kind of talk through those a little bit uh, and i'm, I'm going to run them down before we, we pick and choose which ones to to discuss lincoln riley at one uh, followed by gary patterson mike gundy matt campbell tom herman chris kleiman neil brown Les Miles, Matt Wells, and Dave Aranda. I think we can all understand Dave Aranda at 10, first-time head coach, first year at the program. It's, it's not a commentary on him as a coach. It's just, you just it's more of an N.A. at this point, so he gets stuck 
in last place. Uh, I am really curious. I do want to start there at the bottom, though. You've got Les Miles at 8 and Matt Wells at 9. Um, I have been vocal on my show before. Matt Wells, when, when we had all those hires a couple of years ago, was my least favorite of the hires. Uh, what what puts you or what, why do you have Miles at this point ahead of Wells? Well, and I'm I've been pretty uh, I don't know out, outspoken vocal maybe not is is not the right word because Les won a ton of football games at LSU and obviously did did a number of, of good things at Oklahoma State to build that program so that Mike Gundy could kind of take over um, and actually probably did better against Oklahoma than than Gundy has frankly um, but I I think there's an element of Les Miles where you just have to sort of say all right you got the ring, you had two losses that year, but you get credit for it. You've won a ton of games. There's certainly recruiting better at Kansas. The team got marginally better statistically last year. You know, that, that Boston college game seems like a bizarre outlier from a, an offensive production standpoint. (laughs) Excuse me. Excuse me. But uh, you know, Wells and Brown were really hard um, to evaluate because I think from a fit standpoint, I like the Neil Brown fit at West Virginia culturally um, just sort of an aw shucks recruiting guy from the Southeast who knows the landscape, recruited Florida. You know, when West Virginia's been good, they recruit Florida. Wells is a little bit more of a, we just went out and hired who we thought was a really good football coach. And, and there may not be a tie or a fit to the, the community. West Texas is certainly a, a unique place. Mike Leach, you know, he loves the outposts and Lubbock, while it's a bigger city than people realize, is, is still pretty out there. So I, I think. I thought maybe they were going to use a little bit more of the running game. Um, the freshman running back last year, Thompson, Wright, I had a, a really big fan of him and I, I want to see a little bit more of that, but those three are basically even. Um, and two of them are very, very young and, or not young, but new uh, with some nice accomplishments in the group of five and need to prove themselves. Obviously Les miles is just a, a retread and you kind of know what he is. So I, I don't really, to be honest with you, it's a bad answer, but uh, they're all kind of even and, and I'm not, you know, I would bank on Neil Brown. Maybe the reason I've got him maybe a split hair above less and above Matt Wells is um, just the the idea that maybe he fits better with the personality of the of the culture of the football program, and and that that may allow him to sell his product a little bit more. But other than that, I I think you know Wells offensively with Jordan Love was great, and then Jordan Love was terrible without Coach Wells. So there's there's a lot of positives for all of them, um, and I don't really think. You know, like you said, with Dave Aranda at last, I really like all all ten of these guys right now, um, and, until proven otherwise. Yeah, Brown at seven. I think I like to give him credit. The fit makes a lot of sense. I also think how how last season went for them, uh, and you saw that team kind of continue to improve as the season went on. I think um, to me is why I would agree and have him there ahead of Miles and Wells. I think Miles this year. Uh, my 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 thing with year two is. If they can, if they have the same record this year that they had last year, that's a step. It's a huge step forward for me after what all they lost. If they can get three wins again this year, I think that shows the program's going in the right direction. And with Wells, like it's almost hard to gauge year one just because they had so many the, the issues they had at quarterback. Like yeah. at a certain point, I mean, injuries matter, and you don't want to use them as excuses, but sometimes they are a reason for things ending up the way they do. So I, I think it's fair to have them all fairly close um, until we, we kind of get into year year two and year three for them. Uh, climbing at six, I, I like. I really like that. I think he slightly overachieved in year one. I don't say overachieved. I think he obviously he surpassed expectations. Um, right. And I think for year two, I'm looking at a season where their record might not be as good, but I'm, I'm really just interested to see what the program looks like in year two 
for him after, again, another team that's losing a lot after off of last year and replacing their entire offensive line. Um, but I, I like him at six there. I think that's a, he feels like that last spot below all the guys we know really well. Yeah, it, just a little bit more of a proven commodity by a, by a, a, a you know, just a, a little bit over Brown and Wells, certainly not Miles. Um, but I think a, a guy who was hired to be a culture hire, right? It was, you know, this is a guy who's all about building culture uh, at a lower level with a ton of success. And Kansas State's a very unique place. It's, you know, Texas Tech and West Virginia are far more sort of like real. Uh, this, I don't even know how the right word to say it is. You know, West Virginia feels almost like an SEC school in its sort of passion and love for the for the game. It has a, a, the recruiting base isn't great. Texas Tech has a far better recruiting base and a better fan base and alumni than I think most people outside of Texas realize. Um, so they, there's more football programness there, and there's been more coaches that have been successful there. And that's the issue with Kansas State is that you know no one really has has cracked the JUCO code. The, Bill Snyder has in the history of the game really anywhere in America and we know how big Juco is there in in Kansas I just don't think you can live that way Bill Snyder's the only guy that's ever done it so I think it's about culture and you kind of have to do it a different way and you have to build from within it's you know all these cliches and I and I think you know Clement is a guy that does that I think he way overachieved last year and I think when you look at this team this year to your point about the offensive line and bringing basically what two starters back I think on offense um, if they get to six or seven wins again, I think you have to kind of tip your hat and say, all right, there's starting to put some roots down. And I think that's a really tough thing to do at a school like Kansas state. If you remove Bill Snyder from the equation, really no one else has ever been able to do it. And so it's a, it's a much tougher job than I think Bill Snyder ever made it look, if that makes sense. No. Yeah. I think he, unless you were around or a fan of Kansas state or, or old enough to like remember pre Bill Snyder, you just know Bill Snyder. So Bill Snyder was successful. Like, right. yeah, that just, Kansas State's like my my college football fandom at my age. Like I just always remember Kansas State being a solid, good team. I have no history outside of just the fact that I know that they used to be like the worst program in, in college, in like D one college football. So yeah, I, I agree with that. He kind of made it look easy, or at least that's just that's just all we know. Yeah, you know, it, that's a conversation for another day. But this, you know, it's really interesting talking about programs like fans' view of a program now who have been coming up is not always the same as fans older fans older like to be like oh you know nebraska it's like nebraska's not a blue blood and they haven't been in a long time uh (laughs) michigan's like "Eh, sure but you know we 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 stick with these things yes the the way they used to be you're like you're not that anymore like it's just you're you're not but uh i think that's a really good point with kansas state i'm curious of the, the top five and obviously these are the guys we know the most um, did you? I don't have your 2019 rankings. So, I, did you have any big movement among that top five this year? Not really. I, I will admit I'm a self-proclaimed Matt Campbell lover. Uh, just, I just, I think he's fantastic. Um, Gary Patterson. I think what's interesting about Gary Patterson, and I have him at two, almost based on career achievement at this point. And and I think he's an, an extraordinary X's and O's football coach. Like he's just a good CEO. He kind of checks every box. But every year that goes by, they get further and further removed from the quote-unquote glory years where they were either 14-0 and 0 and Andy Dalton was dominating Wisconsin in the Rose Bowl or they were on the fringe of, of getting to the playoff, you know, even though they didn't win the conference that year because tiebreakers have been a th- sports for 100 years and Baylor <laughs> was the champion. I hate to say it to TCU fans. Um, but th- they were so close. They were right there, and, and that team was so good. And then – 
every year that's gone by, you get further and further from that. They have not even come close to sniffing. I think they had a really big upset over Oklahoma a couple of years ago, and, and it felt like maybe TCU was going to kind of come back. And, and so I, I think Gary Patterson gets a nod for longevity, for an extraordinary career. He's obviously a very good football coach. And so I kind of, you know, if I'm hiring somebody, would I hire Matt Campbell or Tom Herman over Gary Patterson? Maybe. Uh, but if you're ranking their coaching ability, it's, it's hard to ignore the longevity and success of elevating a program from a, you know, all the way through, you know, even a, I think they even dabbled in the big East there for a time without actually playing a game. So um, it, it's, I think you, I put him at two. I, Matt Campbell is really the guy in my heart that if you're like, who are you going to hire after Lincoln Riley, Matt Campbell will be the guy I would go hire. I just think he does more or less. The scheme is there. The identity is there. The culture is there. The development is there. You, you kind of check every box. And then all of a sudden you give him a, a you know, a high level recruit at quarterback. That's, that's really the guy. And you have the best offense in school history. So I, I think C Campbell's a guy that I believe in and would hire if I was say Texas or maybe Ohio state. Th those are the guy that he's the guy. So Patterson, I put it to because of the sort of the nod to uh, his accomplishments and, and Herman is the wild card. You know, Herman last year, I think was top 15 in our, in our coaching rankings for Athlon sports. I want to say 15, 16, somewhere in there. He's going to maybe check in in the thirties this year. Uh, I, I probably have him higher than, than the Athlon staff does. I, I think I have him at 24 nationally. And, and really, that could go way up 12 or 13 spots, and he could be a top 15 coach again next year, or he could lose his job. So I, I think Herman is the total wild card out of these two, um, or out of this, this group here, um, as it pertains to sort of trying to pick a guy. I, you know, I think Ames is is tough place to win. The fans are better than I think people think. The stadium, Jack Trice, is better than I think people think. But it is still a tough place to win. If you draw a six-hour radius around that campus, you're not going to find a lot of high level D one talent and Herman, you draw a six hour radius and, and you, you should, you should fall into nine games as a, as a coach. So I think Herman, we're going to learn a lot more this year, but if you look at his track record, you know, huge, you know, Ohio state coordinator, and then you go to Houston with the huge wins and, and, a, and a big 12 championship game appearance already at Texas, you kind of have to hedge your bets with Tom Herman and say, well, he's done a lot, but not enough. And so I think that's where, uh, and the pressure is certainly different at Texas than it is at Iowa State. So that's sort of how I look at those guys. Um, and, and it's, it, you know, it, it's a it, – Gundy is obviously a, a different story to me altogether because Mike Gundy is is established. He is cle – it's clear that what he does wins and his philosophy wins at his – at a place that he cares deeply, at his alma mater. But I, the, is where's the upside? with him and, and that's my question and Oklahoma State's a far better program in my opinion than Iowa State you should be able to win more at Oklahoma State than you should at Iowa State closer to talent more history and tradition probably more money um, to build and resources there so I think you should be better than than, Matt, than Iowa State tr traditionally um, but I think you know the, the upside with Mike Gundy is always going to be my question and and can you get over the Oklahoma hump? He hasn't really done that a whole lot. I think, I don't know what his record is offhand. I want to say like two and 10 or something, but um, it, it's, you got to show that you can win championships and compete for championships. And I don't think Campbell can do that at Iowa state, but if Matt Campbell was at Texas and Mike Gundy was at Texas, who do I think would do more? And I think there's a great argument for both of them. And that's why Tom Herman has to prove that. So I think Gundy, again, like Patterson established really high quality football coach, great offensive scheme. I question upside for both of them, and, and, I, and, I, and it depends on what you want. Do you want upside 
or do you want a coach that, that you know is going to give you six, seven, eight wins and you're guaranteed. And then every now and then you're going to pop up and have 10 or 11 wins, you know, 2011, 2014, whatever. Uh, so it's kind of, I had to behold her at that point. And, and so I, I don't really have a problem with you mixing up the rankings two through two through five. Yeah. Obviously Riley at one makes most sense. Patterson, I think this is a big year for him and, and, and how we determine where he should rank. Um, if you look at the last four seasons outside of that 2017 season where they made the Big 12 title game, that now looks more like an outlier than what we should expect. Um, I think Campbell, I think the point is, I think sometimes with Campbell, I would have no problem with Campbell at two. Um, I think that some unfair expectations of Iowa State have been placed upon Campbell and Iowa State because of that upset win over Oklahoma. Now everyone's like, oh, they should be the big in the big 12 title game i'm like let's right. let's calm down this is a program that's won nine games like one time in school history <laughs> so so i i understand that's the hot new thing but let's also understand what iowa state is even with a, a coach as as talented as as matt campbell um what he's doing there even though they can't seem to beat iowa which frustrates the out of me um as well, far as your point on iowa state well, fans, that's come on just catch a punt man like it's not I know. you know <laughs> uh, it, it's it's ridiculous uh iowa state fans are it doesn't it, like there's you could the joke is you could run a poll about what college baseball program is the best and if you put Iowa State in it they would win um, and the joke is because Iowa State doesn't have college baseball like that's how crazy their fan base is like if there's a poll and Iowa State's yeah. in it they're going to win that poll they're they're nuts about their their school and their program um, yeah Herman at five feels right he's just like at this point he's consistently inconsistent I, I don't I don't know a better way to describe Tom Herman than those teams get up for the big games, which I think we put too much stock in when they beat a Utah in their bowl game or a Georgia in their bowl game or yeah, I don't care they about upset them. Oklahoma. <laughs> right. Or upset Oklahoma. At, but, right. Like, but then they go play Maryland and, and lose and close games in Tulsa. They, they play up and down to the competition. And that's at a certain point, like that's Tom. The only consistent factor here is Tom Herman. Um, until they can solve that problem, there's always going to be a ceiling with him in Texas. So I, I'm, I'm fine one through five. I might put Campbell at two, even as a, as I've said on this pod, an OSU fan, fine with Gundy if he's three or four. Uh, the history is there. I agree on the ceiling. Um, this year's a big year for them. If they, if, if he can have a, a, the kind of season that they're hoping to have in Stillwater, um, then I could say that the ceiling for Oklahoma State with Gundy still there might actually be higher than we think it is, but that's just, we'll just have to see how that plays well, out. And it's funny, I think we've said that phrase already now for almost all these guys in this group here. Like, it's a big year for Patterson. Um, not a lot of returning stars, but you think you found a quarterback and, and you sort of need to show that you've still got that mojo. Uh, it's a big year for Gundy because if you look at our magazine, we're picking Oklahoma State to play in the Big 12 championship game and rematch for Bedlam in the, in the title game. So expectations could not be higher. In fact, they're one of the teams that jumped the highest in our rankings from last year, this year, I think they were preseason 34. This year, they're preseason, I think, 14. And not many teams made a 20-plus spot jump in our re rankings, which is largely a, an expectation poll if you want to use it as that. So a huge upside question season for Gundy. You look at Campbell and you go, can you replace an offensive line while, while still um, you, you know, developing guys? Does, does, the, does the developmental thing work? Uh, you know, it's funny. Everybody says, oh, Iowa State just can't reload because they don't have the talent. And I agree with that. But when have they had the talent before and he keeps winning games, you know, outside of a couple of big, big recruits that turned out Alan Lazard and, you know, Brock Purdy, whatever they, all the guys 
guys were really good were all, th- you know, two and three star players that he's developed. So does the system work? Does the development work? Big, it's not as big a year for Campbell, I don't think, relative to these other guys. And then Herman, you know, like you said, that the, the got up for big games was the same thing in Houston. And, and that was his problem at Houston is they had that huge season and then they had all the expectations. They beat Oklahoma and then they fell flat on the face to Tulane or whoever it was in, later in the year. Um, the, the year that I think they, they beat Lamar Jackson maybe late in the season. But, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I think, you know, Herman also has won a lot of football games. Like that's the other thing is it, it's a sliding scale here. Um, you know, eight and five at Texas is not the same thing as eight and five at Iowa State. And it, Charlie Strong beat Oklahoma with a bad Texas team. Uh, in the middle of the season so he's been to the big 12 title game he's won a bunch of games at houston there's a lot and the injuries last year were clearly a factor i don't expect the team to be as injured this season you've got a superstar quarterback so there's a lot to like about texas but if they don't get to championship game contention right if they're not playing in a big game late in the year to get into the big 12 title game then i think you have to view this season as unsuccessful they may not win that game but they need to be in a spot to compete for a spot in the Big 12 title game. And, and, and if they are, then I think you can kind of, you know, the hot seat talk can simmer down and you can say, all right, he's, he's, it's working. But expectations at Texas are not 9-3, and three, nor, nor should they be. It's the most powerful athletic department in the country. Expectations should be 12-0. Yeah, that, that Oklahoma State-Texas game, uh, Thanksgiving weekend, I think we've all just kind of circled as the winner of this should be facing Oklahoma in the Big 12 title game. Um, we'll see if that happens. As as we look at the last three years since the title game came back, the, the team to face Oklahoma was not picked second or third preseason in the Big 12 poll. Obviously, the Big 12 poll is not out yet. You know, we've seen four, five, and six. So we'll just we'll see what happens. Um, Braden, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, I love I love this ranking. Hope to have you on again, dude. For everybody who wants to check out the work that you do covering college football, where can they do so? Well, certainly athonsports.com is where you can buy a magazine. And we like to think that we set the, the tone for, for the AP voters and the media days. We've got Oklahoma 1, Oklahoma State 2, Texas 3, and Iowa State 4. That's sort of how we broke it down. But we had a really tough time deciding between 2, 3, and 4. We went around and around and around in circles on that. And so you can kind of read more about our explanation about how we landed on that stuff, athonsports.com. little button at the top there that says buy your magazine. Uh, we, like every other company in the world right now in the, in the media sector, need some support. So uh, feel free to give us a few bucks. We'll send you some great reading material for, for the next few weeks. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. And, of course, the Cover 2 podcast where we cover all things college football from coast to coast in every conference. Um, uh, rate, review, and subscribe. Braden, thanks again. Uh, I hope we're all uh, enjoying some college football come this fall. And uh, look forward to talking to you then. From your mouth to his ears. Sports Social Podcast Network.